Welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast, the Kens 5 Podcast on the San Antonio Spurs and NBA basketball. I'm Jackson Floyd. That's Evan Klosky. What up? Uh, the NBA is on a break, but hey, you know, we're, we're here. We're doing things. You know, yeah. there's not a lot of basketball to talk about, but we did just have the uh, the All-Star game, yeah. which was uh, pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. A lot of rule changes in place there. Uh, the Elam ending, I think, was a big yeah. hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you take away from the game and for the weekend in general? Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, I'm going to love this podcast because it's going to be more broad questions versus hunkering down on the week that was or little things that have popped up. So uh, get excited. This is going to be awesome. But more yeah. of a deep dive. Yeah, yeah more of the, which, which is what I love, which is what I try to bring also on the Kent's 5 TV side as well on those Sundays. But, um, yeah, I think the All-Star game was great. I mean, what we want, right, as NBA fans is to watch the best players in the world go at it in a real basketball game instead of just chucking up threes and dunking. And they were doing that, of course, throughout the first three quarters. But these guys are the most competitive players in the world. And when you put the Elam ending in, and for those who, who aren't familiar with the Elam ending, it was something that the basketball tournament, which is something that happens in the summer, adopted, which I think is great. And the whole reason behind the Elam ending and why it won't be instituted in the NBA in a long while, it's going to take a lot of time to yeah. get used to it. But the whole essence of it is if you create a target score in the fourth quarter or uh, you know after a certain amount of time in the fourth quarter, there are no more hack-a-shacks. There are no more uh, fouling to get to the free throw line because every point matters. You are trying desperately to prevent the other team from scoring, while you, on the other hand, hand if you're the losing team, you got a long ways to go to catch up. Thus, the team that's leading still has the advantage. So I, the Elam ending was great. I think a lot of people were unfamiliar with it. It was introduced. Uh, I think the number one thing that the NBA said is that they might raise the Elam ending next year mm-hmm. and then add a TV timeout. I think uh, the fact that there was no break, it did feel like it dragged a little bit. You could see it on the players, too. They seemed a little fatigued, you mm-hmm. know, just being out there, going nonstop there. And you, you mentioned a little bit the competitiveness, the, the defensive effort, I think, was there this mm-hmm. time around. I think a lot of that might have played into the fact that this was the Kobe Bryant tribute game, too. A lot of players yeah. uh, adapted that Mamba mentality uh-huh. and his uh, competitiveness, his uh, level of insanity that he brought to the game there. Yeah, I mean, and, and that was the thing is uh, a lot of players are going to have to learn how to, and coaches are going to have to learn how to play with the Elam ending. Yeah. A lot of people upset that the game ended on free throw. It's very common for the Elam ending if you watch the basketball tournament. It's not going to happen all the time for those who say the game cannot end on a free throw. I argue with you, what is the alternative? Because if you've ever played a pickup basketball game, and I'm that jerk that will do this, <laughs> right? If you have an easy layup, you foul, and then you check it up top, and you fight for another play. They're you know? just going to keep fouling. They're gonna yeah, keep, it, it just, I think you create something that's very choppy, and broken versus just allowing basketball to be basketball in its purest form. And I think that it's not exciting when it ends in a free throw, though I thought it was very exciting when Anthony Davis missed the first free throw. <laughs> Added that level of like yeah, tension. Like, yeah, like, oh, is he going to miss the second? I mean, and the other thing is, it's like, don't, uh, you know, play your defense. If you play your defense, you won't have to worry about being brought to the free throw line, Kyle Lowry absolutely fouled Anthony Davis. It was two free throws. Yeah. And why Kyle Lowry was in the game over Trey Young, you know, that was a veteran, I think, you know, a move where they just put the veteran in. I don't know if Nick Nurse had something to do with that either. But yeah. nonetheless, uh, that was an argument that someone threw out to me on Twitter, which I agreed with that, you know, you got the 10 best players in the world. I don't know if Kyle Lowry is the person that should be in there. I really think that the, the five players voted in for both teams should have been in the game. 
That's just my opinion, but... Yeah, I mean, that's who the people want to see. Yeah. They voted as starters. Maybe they should be finishers, too. Yeah, that, that, that's yeah. my point and all that. But, yeah, I, I thought it was awesome uh, and one of the more enjoyable All-Star games that I can ever remember in, in my time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think what the Elam ending does, to put it in kind of baseball terms, is it provides the opportunity for a walk of home run mm-hmm. or a walk of play like that. This was like walking, uh, like pitching uh, and walking in the yeah. run there. Yeah, uh, which is uh, right part of the game. I mean, game. you got bases loaded and... You know, you have to throw pitches over the middle, yeah. and if you don't, then you're going to walk and game over, and that's just the way it is. But, you know, this is one example. So we got the example of a player walking in, but we also haven't seen the other side of the coin where someone might hit a three-pointer and end it. So, yeah. you know, you can't really judge it off of one time. I think let this, you know, I think add the TV timeout, maybe increase the score a little bit to give some distance, and then let's start judging it after two, three, four years or so. But yeah. this was an amazing start. I thought the All-Star Weekend as a whole was awesome, going back the slam dunk contest as well. Slam dunk contest was great. Man, I just cannot get up for the three-point contest. It's something we see players do every game. Yeah. You know, they're, they're shooting threes normally and naturally. It probably made more sense in the 80s to watch Larry Bird shoot 33 pointers in a row, 25 three-pointers in a row, like to in, in an attempt to, to, to kind of set some sort of standard precedent. But Would we, you like it? What if they did like a four-point contest? What if they did where like Trey Young range and they ha- they brought it out? What I'm missing from the three-point, I, I, I like that idea, uh-huh. but I think you forego this contest altogether and introduce knockout or gotcha, you know, so oh, half-court not- gotcha knockout tournament with the players. Yeah. Uh, that adds a little bit of the range there. There's a little bit more competitiveness. All these guys are on the court at the same time. Uh, the the three-point contest is so stop and go, uh, yeah. and, and it's hard to get into a rhythm. And I, I have a lot of uh, issues with where people set their uh, their special balls there. The balls. <laughs> Don't save those for the end. You always run out of time. So. Uh, but anyways, that was, it was a fun weekend. Yeah. Uh, a nice break from watching uh, kind of a sluggish Spurs here. Fans might forget the Spurs are on a win streak right now. <laughs> so One game. Uh, we'll, we'll take it. It's better than a losing <laughs> streak. But uh, th- th- there was some uh, some news here for the Spurs, though, mm-hmm. during this All-Star break. Uh, the front office wasn't quiet. They, they agreed to a buyout here with Damari Carroll. Uh, someone would say a, a failed product of this offseason that we had here. Uh, yeah. Objectively speaking, <laughs> it was a failure. I mean, he played 15 games. He scored a total of 33 points. Oh, my gosh. Um, it, it didn't work out for whatever reason. One can assume that Damari and Pop didn't gel. Uh, Tom Orsborn of the San Antonio Express actually flew out to, to Chicago for All-Star Weekend. He was able to meet up with Damari Carroll during his uh, fashion event that he was holding in Chicago yeah. during that stretch. I uh, was able to talk to Damari, said that there was no hard feelings, said Pop is a, a great guy, especially off the court and all that stuff. They just didn't, quote, gel from a basketball sense, yeah, um, and it just and it didn't work out. And he was using the past tense as if it was something was brewing. We know it was brewing for a long time. Yeah. We all read between the lines when Damari went from inactive status to then not even traveling with the team. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so I just um, you know it just for whatever reason. We will bring up the question of Pop next time we talk to him. I'm sure it will be an insufficient answer for everybody. And then we will bring it up again when the season ends. Maybe we'll get a better answer. I don't know. But it's just going to be one of those things where that whatever happened happened within the team nobody none of the players i mean yesterday we were able to talk with demar Derozan, and rudy gay they all wish him the best uh, they all said it just didn't work out for whatever reason yeah. um, and those are two guys who know him pretty well i mean demar spoke to the fact that he knew him since college yeah. uh both demar and rudy played with demari carroll in toronto mm-hmm. too so there's a lot of history with these guys uh and yeah so you know they were hoping they could bring him in and he could gel and he had the guys kind of there to kind of help him out figure out the spurs mm-hmm. way if you will i mean pop has a system he 
plays in, and players have to adapt to that. There's been a few times he's switched the system up to fit mm -hmm. players on the offensive side, but defensively, he runs his system. You know, I mean, he'll he'll bring in the box and one sometimes. Mm -hmm. He'll bring in the zone defense. Uh, and Demari Carroll was supposed to be a guy who provided some defensive uh, a, a defensive D. boost. Yeah, yeah, three and D. And uh, it was a team he was coming to that finished as one of the worst defensive teams in the league and definitely needed that defensive boost. And when he joined the team, he spoke to that in the offseason about how, you know, this, he prides himself in his defense. He wants to bring that defensive effort. It's just a bummer we never got to see it, you know? Yeah, and, and you know, I tweeted out that this just doesn't happen in the Spurs organization, and, and <clears throat> someone came back and said, I don't know, it seems like a pretty recent trend that free agents coming in uh, have been bad. Uh, the, the organization has been messing up, and, and we'll, we'll inch towards that question. It's a very yeah. important question and, and one that is certainly a valid concern for fans out there that I do want to address and something that we have both researched on. But on the, the Damari Carroll end, I just, yeah, I don't know why he never got a shot. I think Pop mentioned that he was just below others on the depth chart. Yeah. But then even when Rudy Gay got injured for that short stint with the, the flu, I shouldn't say injured, when he was out, uh, he wasn't even a thought, you know? That should have been the time for him to step That's in. That's what I always yeah. thought. I thought that he was Rudy Gay in insurance. And then when he was out, we didn't see him. So yeah. I was really, I mean... You know, I don't know if, if something happened on the court or Damari just said I but my, my biggest concern here is is how after such a short period of time were both sides so off on it. Like yeah. if you're Damari, uh, how did you not understand what you were getting yourself into? Like especially your agent, you have to know what yeah. you're telling your client, this is what you're coming to. I mean, he's a, a ten plus year veteran. You you have tons of players who have played in San Antonio. You know what you're going into, and then for Pop and Brian Wright and um, and the front office, just how did you not know what you were bringing in? Yeah, how were you that far off? And we heard little rumblings that he came in out of shape, but you figured when he would get in shape that maybe you would start to see something. Yeah. So I, I don't buy the out of shape thing anymore. Yeah, a lot of players play themselves into shape. You know, that's something that's been kind of hanging over LaMarcus Aldridge's head sometimes. Yeah. He always starts off slow, plays himself into shape. DeMarco Carroll wasn't even getting the chance to play himself into shape on the court. I mean, yeah. it, it, there was something, he's he's in participating in practices. He's participating in the training camps and things like that in the preseason. So Pop got to see him behind mm -hmm. the, the, the door, if you will, uh, inside the practice facilities and things like that. So. I think he had the knowledge and things like that to, to make a decision like that without seeing him on the court. Uh, but I thought I know fans were kind of clamoring to, hey, when are we going to see Damari Carroll? We're paying him millions of dollars to yeah. sit on the bench or to not even travel with the team. Uh, at, at some point in time, you got to go, who's playing and who's not? Yeah. You know, people have been pushing for Lonnie Walker to play more minutes, um, for these young guys to kind of get on the court. Uh, I, I, I mean, at this point, I think it was probably the right move to, to give Walker that playing time if that's the guy you're well, stepping it out. Yeah, but. And I will say fans have to decide where yeah. they stand on that fence because it's either you want to see Damari Carroll on the court during that time or you want to see the young – like if you were going to complain that you want Keldon, Luke, and all these guys in there, you cannot argue for Damari then yeah. because that inherently does not bring in the youth. We can't run you, 15 deep. Yeah. yeah, so you have to pick and choose your battles – uh, and I, I think the Damari stuff, I heard more where's Damari in the beginning of the season yeah. than I heard towards the back half. I think everyone was okay just giving up on that since the Spurs gave up on that and because people wanted the youth movement. I'm not saying that to everybody out there in Spurs Nation, but I certainly have seen that hypocrisy in a sense uh, from from some out there that I just see, uh, you know, floating out there on Twitter and whatnot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just a uh, little, little confused by it. And, of course, the Spurs are going to pay him out the rest of the season. Next year is going to cost them a little north of, of $6 million. Yeah. Uh, Damari only gave back about 880000 which was, I think, the, the 
the minimum uh, yeah, of something veteran. Provide, yeah. yeah. Um, and assuming that the, the Spurs are not using the stretch provision, which they have to do within 24-hour windows. So I felt like we would have heard we that by yeah, now. There would have been something coming um, out like that, they, so. It looks like they're going to pay Damari uh, the six-plus million next season. And then the following year, pay him as partial, which is a little north of $1 million. It's chump change. It's not going to affect yeah. anything. And, you know, if we're being realistic, uh, next year, the you know, you're not going to become an NBA championship team. Next year, the cap is kind of stuck uh, unless, you know, Assuming that DeMar is signed and traded, then you have a bit more flexibility. But I don't think that the DeMari Carroll signing is really going to hurt the team long term. It's not going to be the make or break, that $6 yeah, million. Dollars, yeah, but, it's yeah. not. It's unfortunate. It was a miss, a complete miss. There's no way around it. The Spurs totally screwed that one up. Um, but nonetheless, when you look at the bigger picture it will not hurt them moving forward yeah. and what they want to do and, and the moves they want to make. It's not like they're going to say, oh, man, we're going to miss out on this guy because we have to pay DeMar next year. Yeah. I don't see any of that happening. So he's going to finish his season with the Houston Rockets. Yeah. Um, it, I think it's going to be painful to, for Spurs fans, at least, and maybe for the organization, if he goes to Houston and suddenly finds himself as a contributor or a role player on this team yeah. uh, as they make a playoff push. You know, you know? There, there's but, two sides of the coin. Of yeah. course, one, it's going to look really, really, really bad on the Spurs if DeMar Carroll is doing some things for Houston. Two, Houston's adopting a new system, so you yeah. might just say that that system is working for Damari more yeah. than it did in San Antonio, where uh, you know you have one coach who's stuck in his ways and the other coach who is trying to invent a new system, or, or I should say even a, a GM and Daryl Morey yeah. trying to invent basketball along the way and be part of that new movement, yeah. because the Rockets were the ones who said, we're just going to shoot all these threes, and we all said that they were crazy, and then everyone does it, yeah. and so now we're saying that the Rockets are crazy for going small ball, and you know, in three, four years, maybe that's where it's going, and, and you know, if that's the case, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with the Spurs, that they're trying to build kind of these lanky, uh, you know, Lucas Shamanich's types, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see yeah. what happens. I, I don't imagine he comes in and is suddenly a, 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 a or like a, a valuable piece to the Rockets, um, but yeah, they might find some value from that. He'll chip in. Yeah, exactly. He'll chip in and he'll score points and he'll do, uh, he'll do stuff, you yeah. know, but uh, I don't see him dropping 30. I don't see him dropping no. 20, you know. He'll have uh, a game where maybe he's like four for five from three. Yeah, so, I mean, <clears throat> look, I'm not saying that DeMar's going to go out there and start clanking things off the the backboard um but he's going to contribute yeah. and it's just, it's just a miss no matter what happens no matter yeah. if he succeeds or fails it was a miss from the spurs so you kind of hinted at the big question mm -hmm. i think maybe we turn our attention to that um have things been trending this way in free agency yeah. is this a long-term problem the spurs have and and if so when does the kind of free agency fiasco if you will kind of end do you see an end in sight for this yeah so uh, you know the big question is like the the front office is kind of broken in a sense with adding free agents that's, mm -hmm. that's where they're stinking recently um this past year Three uh, three years, $21 million with a partial guarantee to Damari Carroll in that third year. Uh, big old whiff. Yeah. It's going to be the biggest whiff of, of them all, arguably. Uh, we got one coming up, though, that <laughs> people will push for. Uh, Trey Lyles, uh, two years for $11 million with uh, $1 million guaranteed in year two. I think for the most part, everybody's happy with how Lyles has contributed, especially coming off of the Marcus Morris debacle. Yeah. So um, you'd argue that's fine. I mean, and, and there's going to be a running theme here, which I'll say at the end. Uh, then you have Rudy Gay, two years for $32 million. Of course, bird rights are involved there, which is why the number's a bit more inflated. Yeah. Um, and that is looking like um, it's 
it's not great. Uh, let's let's just be honest. Rudy's kind of looks like he's aged, he's aged fifty years this year. Jeez. Um, you know, last year they made the trade, Kawhi Leonard uh, for Demar Derozan, and Yaka Pertle, and a first rounder. Uh, the first rounder was Keldon Johnson. So uh, in that deal, uh, I think you got back the most they felt they could. The Demar Derozan certainly did not fit the footprint of what they were building. Yeah. Uh, you you know people who love Keldon Johnson will be happy with that return. Yeah, still an unknown. Well, and, it remains and to be per- seen. Yeah, and and Pirtle, uh, we think is going to be someone that the Spurs will prioritize in the off season. So, um, look, when you lose Kawhi, there's no way you can win the deal. Yeah, and Demar doesn't fit. But let's see what the sign and trade is in the off season if there is one, and then we'll tack that on to their return. Yeah. So, um, you know, you signed Dante Cunningham last year for two point five million. Whatever. Um, Marco Bellinelli was signed last year, two years for $12 million. Um, you know, uh, as for, I looked at PERs and stuff. It's tough for Marco and Bryn. You know, PER does not do well with a specialist. Yeah. You know, it, the, the, the knocks on PER is it doesn't take into account defense. That's why if you look at Lonnie Walker, his PER is terrible. It's not good. I mean, it's yeah. like 11-something, it, below average, well below average. But, of course, it doesn't incorporate his defense. Yeah. So that's a problem. Um, it doesn't really reward uh, – or it, it, it rewards versatility. Um, it doesn't reward shot creation. Like DeMar DeRozan should have a higher PER because – he creates his own shot versus like a big man who gets a board and puts it back in or you know that's why a lot of big men have great PERs they live underneath and they're able to put back buckets and score it doesn't matter how you score yeah. you scored so um you know so if you i was looking at PR and i just decided to ignore the stat uh, so if people are going to go out there and say well you know look at this and compare it I just I just don't love it for that this comparison, but Definitely. you know you signed Bryn for uh, two years for six million dollars. I'd argue you're probably getting what you're supposed to out of that deal. Yeah. You know, as much as um, you know, Marco's been uh, a waste this year, to, to be frank. But last year you probably got your worth with him um, on the front end. You know, you gave Rudy Gay a year and ten million dollars last year. Keep going on. Uh, the following year you you gave Pal Gasol. $48 million for three years. Um, and in that first year, he had he had a 19 PER. You know, uh, 20 is like borderline all-star. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's why I'm saying like PER is one of those things where big men tend to trend high. Um, you know, Pau Gasol wasn't an albatross necessarily in 2017, but, I mean, he was just – I mean, he, he – fell off the, the Rudy Gay <laughs> cliff here, right? Yeah, so. he really did. Um <laughs> But, you know, and, and going back, I mean, they originally gave Pau Gasol two years for $30 million, and that's when he opted out. Yeah. Um, and that first year, it was very similar to, I think, what happened with Rudy Gay, where it was like, okay, he's still got a little juice left in him. Yeah. And that's when they rewarded him and kind of got burned by that. So, you know, I, I think that one theme we're seeing here is that the Spurs are are not recognizing what's about to happen with aging talent. Yeah. I think they're bad. Uh, I shouldn't say bad. I think that recently they have missed, misjudged aging talent uh, from veterans who used to be very good. Or uh, I mean, Pal Gasol's a Hall of Fame talent. I think it's yeah. uh, Rudy Gay. I mean, at his peak, it was was a tremendous basketball player. Uh, I think it's the fact that they're getting they, they have this vision that they can bring out that that peak value in them yeah. when they bring them into the system and help them, you know, and the fact that they're such a great basketball talent, they can fit this role. 
but when they come here, you know, uh, time's going to win. You know, yeah. It's undefeated. So I just think that there's a bit of stubbornness there. I mean, if you look down the list, like, yeah, you're finding these aging stars like Gasol and Rudy Gay. And in a way, I think Bellinelli might fit that. The Bellinelli signing to me, I, if you look at the, the year they brought him in, was probably the year they lost the most of that corporate knowledge, if you mm-hmm. will. It was Rudy Gay. was I mean, uh, Patty Mills, sorry, was the guy who remained from the championship team. Uh, this was Bellinelli was a guy who was there in 2014, who's been there in the Spurs system. So and that's something that the, the Spurs front office has always valued, I think, is corporate knowledge. People who know the pop system, who can play within it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so I, I don't fault him on that signing. Um, like you said, Pau Gasol came in and played well, and I, he was brought in to be alongside Tim Duncan, you know? Yeah. Uh, and and I th- he served that role well in that first year. It was transitioning to how does he pair along well, and Aldridge alongside and, uh, yeah, Aldridge yeah. And, and even that first year Kawhi. Yeah. So, you know— and then that's, of course, when you signed him, they still had Kawhi at that time. Yeah. I mean, this was, yeah, a lot of these moves were a team built around Kawhi trying to find complementary mm-hmm. pieces. Uh, even going back to the Aldridge signing in, what, 2016? Yeah. 20, uh, yeah. You know, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge got the four year max of like 80 something million dollars, $86 million, whatever yeah. it was. Um, and then, of course, got extended three years, uh, $72 million. Yeah. Um, you know, Patty got four years for 50 when the salary cap ballooned and, Teams had to spend money, yeah. so they paid off Patty, which is what we're seeing right now with him making around like twelve and a half, thirteen million dollars a year. Uh, Danny Green, four years for forty-five million dollars. I think in retrospect, a lot of Spurs fans uh, miss him. Yeah, you know, definitely. I think he was definitely the he was the pinata of sorts when he was here in San Antonio. But now that he's gone elsewhere, they certainly like. Oh, you know, I do miss the fact that Danny could at least play defense when he stunk. Yeah. <laughs> he he definitely brought the D to the three and D thing. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, you, you so missed I, that a lot. I yeah. mean, look, Danny. I thought Danny a very good signing. Yeah, I think he worked within the system. I mean, Lamarcus Aldridge at the time that was a very good signing. Yeah, you know, hard to argue that any Spurs fan was PO'd when uh, they they got Lamarcus Aldridge. No. <laughs> and uh, and you know, Patty. Uh, I just think that was a case of. Um, you know, the the salary cap ballooning and rewarding one of your guys. You know, can we argue that it's way more than he deserves? For sure. Yeah. Um, but you have to look at it in context with the time. It, it's very easy to just say, oh, that's a crap contract. Yeah. But at the time, the cap was ballooning and he was a free agent and they got him. Uh, you know, I, I want to I transition a little bit here. The, the theme that we're seeing, and, and we can – the Spurs haven't always messed up free agencies, no. okay? Essentially, the question was thrown out there, I think, by many, is the the front office just stink at this. And it's recently they are messing up a little bit, and I think they're kind of missing the mark with some of their guys. And I think they're also trying to get short-term deals because they really don't know what they need for the future. They want to create that flexibility. Rudy Gay was somebody who can hold them over for a couple of years. Um, you know, I, I, they're scramble mode. And, and yeah. we, you know, we can get into the whole Kawhi thing in a little bit because Kawhi Leonard is the reason this, this team is in flux. And uh, the Spurs front office likes to take time with their moves and understand what their moves are making. And right now I think they're just reading and reacting. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll do this. We'll try this. We'll try that. And they're just trying to figure out short-term how it's all going to work while the, the youth kind of comes up. But the number one thing that the Spurs do very, very well is draft and development. And, and more so uh, noticing young talent before anyone else does. Yeah. That is where the front office is not broken. And that is something when we talked about in the last podcast, people getting upset about – players being stuck in a G League, I mean, 
their development cannot be argued. Like, you have to understand that players don't just blossom out of nowhere. The great ones do. But a lot of times, some potentially great players are completely thrown away because they were put into action way too soon. So, I mean, I'm just going to run through some names here uh, in, in no particular importance or order. Um, Lonnie. Derek, DeJounte, Bryn, undrafted, Kyle Anderson, Jonathan Simmons, undrafted, Corey Joseph, Dewan Blair, George Hill, Tiago Splitter, Tony, Manu, Tim, Sean Elliott, the Admiral, uh, Davis Bertans, they took him overseas, uh, Kawhi, they made a trade on draft day, Boban, uh, Aaron Baines, Gary Neal. I mean, these are guys, and, and we can throw out the Admiral, Sean Elliott, and Tim if you want, uh, because those are top five, I mean, top five draft picks yeah. two of them were the number one overall for a reason they would have thrived anywhere yeah they wouldn't they weren't going to miss yeah on those picks, so, so so whatever throw them aside but still you look at these players uh and, and the recognition of talent especially the international talent yeah you know uh you know gary neal was a guy who played in the states but was recognized overseas and they brought him in yeah. so uh, you know when people kind of slam the front office uh i, I think it's very short-sighted I, I think it's fair criticism in the in the present but yeah. it's also unfounded that the front office is broken after kind of doing some research. Yeah, look, I mean, everyone's got their strengths and weaknesses. No one's going to be perfect. And and when building a front office, you, it's like building a team. You try to find complementary pieces. But this 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 front office has been built to draft. Uh, and I'd argue that list you just read off, if you remove the top five picks, is probably one of the best draft not classes, but pools that a team yeah. can acquire, especially if they're going to be competing every year, finishing in the top five, top ten in the league, and picking from the bottom half of the draft there, the bottom third of the draft. Uh, so it's a thing they do really well, and it's a great thing that it, they do that really well because that's how small market teams build. Mm -hmm. uh, and you were talking about free agency fiasco and kind of just to, to pair these two together, I don't know what Spurs fans expect. I mean, they're not going to go out there and sign LeBron James mm -hmm. or Giannis Antetokounmpo in the future here isn't going to come to San Antonio. Uh, the the role players who have come to San Antonio in the past for free agency, and I'm talking about like David West, David Lee, even Pau Gasol, if you want to uh, bring him in there too. Yeah, I mean, look, Boris Diaw, yeah. um, Matt Bonner, um, you know, Austin Day, I'd argue, was a miss in that trade, but, you know, a small role anyway. Marco Part One, um, Richard Jefferson yeah. was also kind of a miss. You're going to drag these Bruce guys Bowen, in if you're you know? competing. Yeah, I know. So there are, there are a lot more makes in that list yeah. than misses. So, um, yeah. All I, of those makes came in while you were a title contender, one of the three best teams, four best teams in the league for 20 years. Uh, and that's where play, players are going to play. I think people think it's a trend now that, oh, they're ring chasing. You know, oh, yeah, we see David West jumping to Golden State after coming to San Antonio. I think players have always wanted to play for competitors. They're not, I mean, there's, mm -hmm. there's, there's factors that bring players into teams. It's big markets. If it's LA, if it's New York, Chicago, Miami, those places are always going to be attractive to players because they're amazing cities and they're amazing basketball markets. And I love San Antonio. I live in mm -hmm. San Antonio. Yeah. I think if you reach out to, uh, I don't know, the Giannis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who has probably only come to San Antonio to play basketball, mm -hmm. who hasn't experienced the city, the city's not going to be as attractive to them. Uh, the market's definitely not. And that was the Kawhi problem. You know, you hear that's not the market for them. So you're going to find, you're going to have to find if, in the free agency players that you can maybe squeeze the juice out of for the last time. You know, if it's Pau Gasol, if it's Rudy Gay, uh, even I think Damari Carroll was a guy that was on the back end of his career, and you just wait and see if he's got anything mm -hmm. left in the tank there. Um, so, I mean... And, and the, the running theme here with the Spurs, outside of LaMarcus Aldridge, 
who was brought in to also be, uh, again, not the star player on this team because Kawhi was. They were building around Kawhi. Yeah. All these free agent signings, they're all kind of chump changey in the sense that they are looking for complementary pieces exactly. around the players that they have developed, that they are not able to go out and grab a star. And that's no surprise. Anybody that understands the NBA realizes that uh, a Donovan Mitchell comes to Utah because of the draft. A Gordon Hayward comes to Utah because of the draft. A Luka Doncic goes to Dallas because of the draft. Now, I mean, I'd argue Dallas would be a desirable market if you make it happen. But nonetheless, um, that that's the way that it's built to be. And so yeah. when we talk about the salary cap being very flexible in two years, uh, every NBA team is almost very flexible in two years. The Spurs are not going to go out there and grab a su- superstar. What they need to hope for is that the ones that they're grooming, Lonnie, Derek, DeJounte, uh, Shamanich, Keldon, Q, Mezzi, Eubanks, a list of those players. I mean, they got this young core coming in. It's going to take some time for when these, you know, the, the, the last five that I mentioned, Luca Keldon, Q, Mezzi, Eubanks, to come in, get those NBA reps, get those minutes, you know, when they're properly developed, which I think we're going to see a ton of them next year. We will. Um, and then, you know, you're going to start seeing the fruits of the labor in yeah. two years, and then you can kind of get the right piece to bring in on the side to side. Now, my thing is, what the Spurs should really do is try to get the talent, uh, some great talent in a trade, maybe the sign and trade with DeMar, who are locked up uh, for a few years and not worry about playing the free agency game so much. Yeah, We heard Buddy Heald is unhappy. If you can work out a sign and deal, uh, sending DeMar to Sacramento for Buddy Heald and exchange you know, a salary cap problem for a guy who's unhappy – I wonder if that is something the Kings would be very interested in. He is at the top of my list right now in players the Spurs should bring in there. Uh, he's clearly a better offensive player than Bryn Forbes. I mean, you're, you maybe gain a little bit of defense only because Bryn Forbes is the worst defender in the NBA, <laughs> yeah, arguably, yeah, in his yeah, position. Yeah. Um, but yeah, trading is is the way that this is going to move forward, and it's the way that small markets do this. If you look at Oklahoma City, how they pivoted from Kevin Durant, it was through trading. You know, sending Oladipo and Sabonis to Indiana to bring in Paul George. You got Paul George to stay for a year, sign mm-hmm. a contract, yeah. which at the time was thought of crazy as yeah. crazy because that's not what small markets do. Uh, Indiana, Oklahoma City, I think these are cities that San Antonio should compare themselves to when looking at are they better are they are they bad at free agency or is this just a small market problem uh if you look at players oklahoma city has signed in the same kind of window that we were just reading names off of it's players like cameron payne raymond felton patrick patterson nerland's noel uh in this last free agency it was lugans dort and darius basley they're not bringing in quality talent either i mean because the quality talent are going to the big markets to play with contenders you know mm-hmm. uh and so i mean it's draft it's trading I think they've got a gigantic offseason in front of them with a big trade to possibly make, and they're going to have the best draft pick they've had in a very long time. Yeah, and um, uh, something with trading, uh, it's small sample size with yeah. the Spurs. And the, the problem why it's so hard to evaluate the Spurs' front office is because for so long, you know, they hit when you hit the jackpot three times— uh, you kind of yeah. you you don't have to do as much. I mean, when you have Tony Timamanu, you don't have to do that much, and that's not a uh, that's not a knock on them. That's a you know you reward the front office with praise for bringing in 
two of those three because Tim was a no-brainer when he came out, and yeah. that was luck in the first, you know, the first pick and stinking the, you know, the, the worlds collided for San Antonio when they, the two years that they tanked, you had the Admiral and Tim Duncan. I mean, that is just unbelievable luck in a yeah. sense. And and Pop mentions how lucky he's been, you know. But the fact is, the Spurs were the first ones to tap into the international market, which is why they have enjoyed the fruits of their labor. And you have to remember, other teams have tapped into the international market as well. But the Spurs have been doing it for longer. Yeah, They certainly have all the sources because they've been there since day one. And they are still going to be the front runners when it comes to, you know, pinpointing on talent. So when Lucas Shamanich gets drafted by the Spurs, you better believe all the NBA execs out there are like, oh, crap. Like, what did we just miss out yeah, on? Or exactly. what, what did we not get on this evaluation? Um, so, you know, you got to give them credit there. And just because they do something very well over a long period of time and now something that they're kind of, you know, getting into now has not been working, it's not like the front office is broken. You're just you're just kind of caught up in the moment a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and that's not to say that they don't deserve criticism in place. I'm not absconding them of criticism. Yeah. It just, they, they deserve that. I mean, some of these signings are horrendous, but these also aren't signings that are really affecting their long-term picture. I think yeah. they just, they're trying to find short-term fixes, and these are the guys that would fit in in the short term, and they just haven't worked out. And, you know, the Palgasol stuff, too, I mean, really hasn't affected, like, the Pau Gasol signing really didn't affect them yeah. too much in the big picture. I think what will be the the kind of the, the what will affect them more in the big picture is if they turn Lonnie Walker into a star, if they turn DeJounte Murray into a star, and then when that contract runs up, they go to somewhere like LA or New York, or they in the vein of Kawhi Leonard force a trade to the bigger market where they want to be. That's going to be what most affects the big picture there. I think that's that's kind of the, the thing that's trending across small markets everywhere. And a big kind of signpost here in the future is whether or not Giannis signs with Milwaukee or if he goes somewhere else. He, he's kind of left that vague. He, in the past, he's mentioned, like Kawhi did, oh, I want to play in Milwaukee forever. Uh, he could jump ship and go somewhere else. And yeah. I mean, there's been rumblings that maybe he wants to play with his brother somewhere, you know? And, yeah. Uh, so, I mean... It, I think it's a small market versus big market thing when you talk about front office. Um, you mentioned a name earlier, Brian Wright, who I, I imagine a lot of Spurs fans recognize is the GM now. That was the big change in the offseason, moving R.C. Buford as the president of Spurs Sports and Entertainment and bringing Brian Wright into that role. How much of the Damari Carroll thing do you put on him? Uh, so there are two parts of this, yeah. okay? the A, I, the answer is insufficient, I guess, mm -hmm. because... Greg Popovich certainly has a say in who comes in the end. He either says yes or no, and that's the way it's going to work. Is Brian? I don't know what kind of ideas that Brian Wright floated out to Pop before. Yeah, uh, you know, if there were any, now Pop might just say, "Look, I trust you," sort of deal, and and let it be. You know, Pop doesn't really do much with the draft. He lets the front office handle that stuff. Whoever you send me, I'll worry about it then when they're in my camp. You know, one of those deals. But um, you know, with the Damari Carroll signing. It was a miss, and let's, Brian Wright's a GM, so we'll put that on him. But you can't describe the Damari Carroll miss without also giving praise for the way he manipulated the cap to open up for Marcus Morris. And, you know, I get it. Like, fans are pissed off about that. But in the end, it's not their fault. Like, yeah. I cannot reiterate it enough. That is on Marcus Morris. When you have a handshake deal and, you, you know, your agent or whoever says, we are coming— it's not the Spurs' fault for them making moves to create the room necessary for them to come. The fact that they could get Marcus Morris with a crunched-up cap space was an 
awesome manipulation of the cap and the sign and trade and the creativity that went into that was genius. Yeah. And it blew up in their face, which was not Brian Wright's fault. Not at all. And I mean, okay. yeah, you mentioned, Jay, just the, the moves he had to make, sending Davis Burr times. I know it pains a lot of Spurs fans to watch Davis Burr times shoot well in Washington. I'm not going to say play well. I mean, I think he's been a, a great player in there, but I don't think he's going to, I don't think he was a guy who's going to go in there and make a significant difference to Washington. And I think if the Spurs had kept Davis Bertans, he's not going to push them into the playoffs. He's not the make or break here. No. What's keeping them out of the playoffs. Yeah. And you have to understand that, you know, it, look, Bertans is probably much happier in Washington yeah. because they allow him to shoot eight, three pointers a game. He plays heavier minutes. He unloads from the four point range. He's <laughs> Very good. We knew that last year. I mean, the dude was a lights-out shooter last year. But, uh, you know, he can't play defense. We all complain about the defense of the team. He's He's, not helping out there, no. He's not going to help out defensively. So the thing that you're complaining about on that side of the ball does not change. Uh, Yes, he would add threes. But guess what? He would still be part of the second unit. Shooting three-pointers in the second unit is not the problem. It's the starting unit. So then you want to manipulate the starting unit. Uh, You know, you got to play Bertans. LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, you got DeMar, Bryn, and DeJounte, right? I mean, Yeah, that's a porous defensive first So unit, I, it's just so. like, you know, uh, I, I get it. He, you know, he's hitting a lot of threes, yeah. and the team is doesn't have, you know, when Bryn and Marco don't do their job, it's like, where are the threes? But, you know, I think it's just in retrospect, he's going to get paid for a skill set that the Spurs don't really utilize a lot. You know who would have been a staunch defensive starter for the Spurs was Marcus Morris. And that's the reason they did this trade. He would have been the guy, and yeah. it's a lot of what-ifs here, you know. He shoulda, woulda, coulda. Um, would have been the guy who, playing in the Trey Lyles position, most likely. Yeah. Uh, maybe they do a little bit more situational rotations, but that's something the Spurs haven't done all year. So I don't think bringing Morris in would have changed that. Um, but yeah, he's a guy who is a 3 and D with a big emphasis on D. And yeah, I that's what the Spurs miss. So. Uh, I just don't blame Brian Wright for that. And, and Anyone who does, I think, is totally just putting earmuffs to their ear and just it refuses to understand the situation. Yeah. It just, that is not his fault. That is not his fault. That is not his fault, okay? That was completely unprofessional what Marcus Morris did. Yeah. Marcus Morris and his agent split up. You know, his agent was saying, like, do not renege on the deal, and that's pretty much what happened. I mean, you know, the agent, uh, who, by the way, is DeJounte's agent as well, uh, signed a an extension with the Spurs yeah. later. So the, the Spurs aren't mad at the agent. They're mad at the player. Yeah. So it just understand that dynamic. And I know a lot of people out there are saying, like, oh, the Damari Carroll thing kind of makes it seem like – and we mentioned a little bit in the last podcast that uh, free agents wouldn't come to San Antonio. And I just kind of say yes and no. Yes, there are going to be people that don't want to play with Pop and in that system. That's been the case forever. Mm-hmm. It's not a superstar system. It's not about one player. We know that. I mean, you know – Tim moved in silence a little bit, you know, all them, Marco, uh, uh, Tim, Manu, and Tony, not Marco, (laughs) all had their moments and they worked collectively as a unit to be this unbelievable team. So, um, you know, that that will always be there. That will just always be the thing. Uh, But I say no, because if the team turns around and starts winning again, teams, uh, those complimentary pieces are going to want to go to a winner. That's what happens. Yeah. LeBron James can say on the record how much he loves Pop and everything like that. 
there's a reason he didn't come play for Pop. And it's like you said, the, the superstar mentality does not exist here mm-hmm. in San Antonio. They don't open up the court for the one guy to be the guy and to be the man. Yeah, and, and they've been letting you know Demar do it, and even Kawhi was doing it towards yeah. the end of his run in San Antonio. I mean, it was the Kawhi show, honestly, towards the end there. Um, and then you know it's been the Demar show. So the K word now. We've brought up uh-huh. Kawhi a few times. You don't blame Brian Wright for the DeMar Rue move. You don't blame the Spurs front office for the run of free agents here. Uh, do you blame Kawhi? Is that the yeah, guy to blame? I, yeah. I, think, it, I think it does. Uh, it all falls back on Kawhi, and we all know the feelings in the city about Kawhi Leonard and um, you know why that whole situation imploded. There are plenty of stories out there. We've covered it in live time, <laughs> retrospectively. His name's I'm, been brought up on the podcast yeah, a few times, yeah, too. Yeah, so. and I mean, the, the thing is, is for whatever reason, um, you know, I think the Spurs are culpable for some of the faults with Kawhi leaving. I think Kawhi also wanted an easy exit out. Yeah. Uh, I thought his intentions were pretty well known, that he was going to go to L.A. no matter what. And that was very evident with the way that his uncle handled negotiations leaving the Raptors and uh, many GMs and uh, NBA executives just really angry at his uncle for doing the things that he's doing. So um, certainly I think some manipulation there. Um, And we can go down that rabbit hole uh, all day, every day, and kind of go into that story of why things imploded. But regardless, it imploded. And uh, you have to understand that the organization was – building this bridge from Tim Tony Manu to Kawhi being the next leader of this organization forever and building the pieces around him to make it work. You know, why do the Spurs not have great forwards who can play defense? It's because Kawhi was their guy who was going to lead that unit. Yeah. You know, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge was supposed to be the second best player on your team that you were giving the max contrast to. You know, uh, Kawhi was going to get the super max, and you were going to fill up the cap that way. I mean, you were going to give him, you know, the Damian Lillard treatment that the, the Blazers gave. And you were going to build around him, and those pieces were all made with Kawhi Leonard in mind. How are we going to build around Kawhi so that when you remove Kawhi, the team is in flux. Yeah. The identity is lost. You know, you really are out there on an island, and you have to make moves in live time. You know, a lot of fans are angry that they didn't give up on Kawhi earlier than they should have with some of the rumors out there. I will say, one, they were rumors because they were rumors. There's no evidence to prove that some of these deals and names that were floated out there were offers. But two, the Spurs tried everything they could to keep Kawhi in town and to mend that relationship and to fix it. You know, Pop did that with LaMarcus Aldridge earlier. He thought he could do that with Kawhi. And you guys realize how amazing Kawhi Leonard is. I would argue that you need to exhaust all resources to try and make that work. Yeah, no matter what name was floated out in trade rumors and kind of these rumblings mm-hmm. there, none of them are the top five guy, arguably, in the league that Kawhi is. Uh, and I don't think any of them projected to that, even mm-hmm. in the Spurs front office system here and the organization here. So, yeah, you try the best you can to keep Kawhi Leonard as the best guy involved in any of these trade yeah. packages, uh, no matter what the rumors are out there. You exhaust all options, as you said. Yeah, and so with the Lakers, the Lakers are trying to make a deal with the Spurs. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on if Brandon Ingram was included. There are reports that said he was. There are reports that said he was not. Uh, it was mostly, what, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, 
um, which I don't think Lonzo. Yeah. I mean, maybe the, Kuzma. I think was one of the names. Kuzma was someone they wanted, but they wouldn't yeah. give up on. And in the end, you kind of are happy. You probably don't. I mean, Kuzma's money fine. You can give him. I don't know if he would have fit. He's also a guy that can score and not yeah. play defense. Regardless, um, you know, even if it was Brandon Ingram, I get it. Uh, the guy has flourished, and especially out of L.A. a little bit. Uh, but nonetheless, um, you just you don't know in that that sphere if that was the right move. And yeah. the Spurs, I think, at that time point just said, we are going to ship them off to the East, which is something they strongly believe is not helping out their competitors. And yeah. uh, DeMar DeRozan was a four-time All-Star, and they just said, screw it. We don't even know how this is going to work, but he's a great player, and he's the best we're going to get. Yeah. Um, and then people bring up the return of Paul George, and that trade uh, with OKC and the Clippers. And I always say that if Kawhi didn't work out in Toronto, that return would have never been what it was. Yeah. But the, the fact that Kawhi went to Toronto for a year, won a title, gave credence that trading for a guy like him, which in this case was him, and making that one-year rental sort of buy on an unhappy player, which hasn't happened this season yet. Buddy Heald's really the first one that we kind of heard. Yeah. It gives it validity. This works. Go for it. So, uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan is not that player. Kawhi Leonard is, you know. Uh, Paul George enters that stratosphere as well. He does a lot, of, a lot more things than DeMar does, you know. Uh, it's not just the scoring, but the defense. So uh, when they made that trade, it was with everything that happened that year and Kawhi leading them to the title. If Kawhi gets bounced in the first round with the Raptors, I do not think that deal is as big as it was. And so you can't retroactively say the Spurs should have gotten more because you needed that event to occur first before people started giving up more in these deals. Yeah. They I mean, thought they were going to rip them off. If you read all the reports around that, too, it, it was a, not, not just a trade for Paul George. That that was a trade for Kawhi and George. If yeah. they don't acquire George, Leonard's going to the Lakers or he's going back to the Raptors. He's not going to the Clippers. That was kind of the the ultimatum that the uncle and his team kind of gave the Clippers yeah. there was, you know, if you don't bring in Paul George, we're going to go somewhere else. Yeah. So, of course, you're going to throw a King's Ransom down and try to get whatever you get George in and uh, give up everything else for it. So Yeah, and look, as I said, this is not about absconding criticism of the Spurs, you know, there are plenty of things to criticize about the Spurs front office and Popovich. Uh, we mentioned the, the recent string of free agent signings. They have not worked out. They've committed money to players who are continuing to, to tail off. They are getting caught in the tail, like in the drop off, yeah. uh, you know, seeing their best and then, and then just getting into that contract where they fall off the cliff. Yeah. So, Certainly criticism there. Going back to this season, absolute criticism for Greg Popovich not playing Lonnie Walker earlier and being stubborn in that regard. And going, you know, uh, I, I do not blame the the team for sitting at the the G League players and and letting them develop. They are all very young outside of Q, who comes in pretty mature. Yeah. But I am totally on board for letting them develop. I think the Lonnie Walker stuff was uh, totally. We are going to try it this way, and we were successful last year, and this is going to be the rotations we run, and you have to earn your stripes. And that is fine criticism for Popovich. But the reason this team is in this position, the reason this team is making haphazard signings in the short term, because they have no idea what their identity yeah. is. They have no idea where to go, what they want to do, and Pop wants to win. Yeah. So, I mean, it just – it all goes back to Kawhi and digging out of that hole because superstars – do not come often. It seems like it in San Antonio because 
the organization has done a great job and has lucked into some amazing Hall of Fame talent. Um, but then, you know, going out of this kind of this this ugliness, it's going to take a lot of time. And that's why the Spurs used two draft picks last year, two yeah. first-round draft picks. They haven't done that. Uh, it was like decades. We were all expecting the trade to come down. Yeah, yeah. and it never came the because they, they are yeah. trying to acquire assets. They are now re-identifying themselves yeah. for two years from now. So you mentioned this point that the, maybe the Spurs don't have this identity, and that's what the, the why they're bringing these players and things like that. I'd argue the one identity this team possibly could have is the Coach Pop identity. This is Pop's system, his thing. Going forward in the future, the Pop identity is not going to be around very long. Um, he's 70-plus years old. I think he just turned 71, maybe. Um, and how much basketball he has left in him remains to be seen. Going forward, then, is... Brian Wright, the guy who's suddenly making the moves, is it his decision? Does it go back to Buford as kind of the the final call on things here, or is Wright a stopgap until after the pop years and they bring in someone else, maybe Masai Ujiri or something like that? One of these big name GMs comes down. Maybe Daryl Morey wants to move on from the Rockets or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean Daryl Morey, I think might go to the Knicks. By yeah. the way, I, I think Morey is going to leave the ra- uh, the Rockets. But uh, step up, at yeah. Least. Not coming I, to the I think I think Brian Wright is certainly um, the option for the future. I don't yeah. think they would have. Look, RC, I think this was all a way to really keep him. Yeah. You know, we, we've heard about the brain drain. We mentioned it multiple times on this, this podcast. But I thought, I think Brian Wright was someone they realized they were going to lose again yeah. and manipulated the uh, structure of Spurs Sports Entertainment to make sure that Brian Wright can have that GM position. I think he is their guy for the future. And what Brian Wright does is what you saw with the Marcus Morris thing, was creativity in flexing the cap. And that's such an important element of GM. It's not just uh, recognizing the talent, but it's also manipulating the cap. And that's so important also in a small market yeah. when you're going to have to re-sign your talent that you're all developing. I mean, you know, Lonnie Derek, DeJounte's already signed, but Lonnie Derrick... Luca Keldon, Q, Mezzi, Eubanks. I don't know if Eubanks is going to last past this year. We'll see with yeah. the two-way. He's been on the two-way for two years. But, uh, you know, it, it is hard to keep them all if they all, you know, it's hard to think that all of them are going to be hits. And it's hard to imagine that you're going to be able to keep them all. And you tack on Pirtle and all this stuff. So that's where he thrives. Yeah. So I think you have to trust your organization in that world that with the cap developing and things opening up, the way that they're going to work towards the future and around these young pieces is where you're going to have to really judge Brian Wright. R.C. Buford, I, I believe, is still very much involved in international recruiting. That's yeah. sort of his baby, his first love sort of deal. So uh, he isn't going anywhere in that regard. But I, I do believe that uh, it's it's Brian Wright's um, sort of front office to deal with the technical stuff. And, yeah. and, of course, Greg Popovich, even with R.C., was always the final yes or no. So when it comes to to – roster changes and all that stuff, I mean, it still goes through Pop. So, I mean, there's a question to be had whether uh, Pop wants to be on board for the rebuilt identity. Yeah. Or is he, is it run his course? Is he done? The the, the, the modern NBA is just not what he once fell in love with. And this is all just kind of, this has been a great run. And, you know, I'm going to, you know, kind of take a step back. I think those are questions that Pop has to answer. Yeah. He's going to have to continue in the modern NBA for just a little longer, though, get through this season at the very least. Uh, They've got the Jazz coming up next. Uh, That game is tomorrow night, Thursday. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Thunder. Friday, Friday, sorry. Today is Thursday. Uh, I have a baby at home. I'm not (laughs) sleeping. I don't know what day it is. Uh, So Friday against the Jazz. All I know is I'm awake and I'm sleeping. (laughs) I'm always awake. That's how it goes. (laughs) Uh, Friday against the Jazz. Sunday against the Thunder. And then the Rodeo Road Trip is finally over. They come home and play the Dallas Mavericks. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think 
everyone in Spurs land will be happy to have this team back home and not on the road where it's been quite a, uh, a miserable time. Yeah, and remember the Spurs right now, according to Tankathon, have the 20th uh, ranked strength of schedule. So they're in the bottom half of the league of, of one of the easier schedules. Yeah. Uh, Portland's 24, Memphis 1. Um, and out of the gates, again, you're going to have to deal with Utah and OKC. So that number's, again, going to drop a little bit with the strength of schedule after these two games. Entering the rodeo road trip, I've said this multiple times, you wanted three. You can survive with two. Yeah. Uh, and you're kind of in a tough spot now because, A, you're going at Utah which is a 36-win team, you beat at home, so they're going to remember that. It's, the Spurs have, done a, Spurs have done a great job retaliating and also have lost almost every game that <laughs> other teams have retaliated. And you got so, another retaliation on the other And with OKC, the too. Yeah. They're going to remember that. And OKC played a horrific game against the Spurs shooting-wise. So, I mean, you're going to have two teams that are going to remember losing to you last time, yeah. and they're going to bring it. And you're going to have the Spurs, hopefully, with a sense of urgency. So they're going to bring it. So, it, you know, I, last year, man, I just remember the Spurs getting bombed out of Utah. Oh, yeah. I don't expect Utah to – I expect that to be an L. That's going to be really tough. Um, but uh, we'll see. And, uh, uh, you know, that's the thing with Utah, though. They really play into the Spurs' strength. Utah allows you to shoot mid-range jumpers, and the Spurs feasted off the Jazz. So are the Jazz going to adjust, or are they going to say, look, this is our system, and if you beat us this way, then guess what? You beat us. So, yeah. you know, we'll see. Uh, it, should, it should be a big DeJounte game if it's a mid-range jumper yeah. because he's crushing those elbow shots. Uh, you would have argued it should be a big DeMar game. Uh, you know, LaMarcus should eat in that scenario. So, um, yeah, we'll see. you got to keep the Jazz under 110, I think, to, to, to beat them on their home court. And so that remains to be seen what kind yeah, of good defense luck. Spurs can play. Uh, we're pessimistic on them finishing the Rodeo Road Trip game uh, with two wins here. Uh, I, I do think because of the easy schedule, we might see them make a run towards the eight seed. It's going to be a little too little too late, I think. I think uh, they're too far back. I think right now, are they five and a half games, six games? They're, out five, they're five games behind five games the Grizzlies. Five games out of the Grizzlies. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, the they got Portland in between them. Exactly. And then the Pelicans are a half a game back. The Pelicans, by the way, I think have the easiest schedule remaining and Zion. So, so picking from those three or four teams that we just named, Memphis, Portland, San Antonio, New Orleans, who do you, who's your choice for that eight seed? Who do you think rises to that spot? Man, uh, pff, New Orleans is going to be really tough. Uh and Lillard's going to come back. I think he's injured to yeah, start. So, you know, I mean, I said that Portland worried me more, and that was before the Lillard injury. Depending on the Lillard injury and the length, I might say that the Pelicans are going to worry me more. But, uh, I mean, uh, I'm I'm willing to reevaluate my my thinking on yeah. Memphis in in ten or so games. But I do believe that. Uh, second half swoon is going to happen for the Grizz for a young team that hasn't played this long and is going to play the toughest schedule in the league. I just, I don't think they're going to hold on to that spot. I don't either. I think it's New Orleans is to get. And I think if New Orleans does move in that space, you're going to see a lot of dialogue about whether or not now that the team has passed uh, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans have passed the Grizzlies, does Zion start to pass Ja Morant in the Rookie of the Year conversation? I'm still on the Ja train. I am too. I, 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 hate, I hate rewarding a player that's played 30 games versus 82 or whatever, you know, yeah. whatever, 70-something. And um, the fact that 
what Jaws? Yeah, I I don't care. It's it's Jaws to win. When look when you look at this award, that it seems to trend that if you get off to the early start with that early narrative, you're going to win this award. You look at maybe Donovan Mitchell was the Zion Williamson in that role that year. I think it was 2017, 2018. Yeah. Uh, but it was Ben Simmons who started off strong with that jump into it. Also, the biggest name in that kind of pool of rookies to choose from also maybe not a rookie i don't know uh but he was the guy who kind of consistently led the it is called the rookie of the year (laughs) that means the whole year has to be taken into account i'm not here to argue that zion williamson might be a better player than john moran sure uh, he's he's a unicorn you know that but that's not what the award is for it is rookie of the year and when a guy plays 30-something games versus another guy that played 70-plus who took a Grizzlies franchise from despair to right now in the playoffs, and whether they fall out or not, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, it is Ja Morant. Like, this isn't even, like, narrative speaking. Like, I do the same thing with the All-Star game. I didn't want Paul George in a game because he missed a ton of games, and he didn't make it for that reason, yeah. you know? So it just, like, Zion's an amazing talent. You weren't there for half the season, you don't win the award. I, like, if there was no John Morant, then sure. But there is. Yeah. So the Big Fun Pod here, we've been here for all year as well. You know, we hope that we're your rookies of the year for everyone following <laughs> at home uh, as, we lead, as we follow this Spurs team from playoffs to despair. Kind of an <laughs> opposite picture there, if you will. Uh, Evan, this you is had to fun. Really bring it there? Uh, I'm sorry I did. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a sour note, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, we need to do more deep dive pods like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, be happy to have Tom Petrini back as we yep. talk about this next slate of games. Uh, he is finding himself in Joshua Tree right now, <laughs> probably listening to a U2 record. Yeah. <laughs> we'll but- see. We'll, we'll see if he comes back the same Tom Petrini. There's a chance that we, we might have lost him. Uh, he might be more enlightened. We, <laughs> we might have found him, so we'll yeah. see. <laughs> Any final thoughts here, Evan, before we close out? No, you know, just, just understand that no matter what happens in the next two games, the, the real run towards the postseason for the Spurs starts uh, when they return home to take on Dallas. It's winning all those home games are going to be so important yeah. and plucking away at some of those road games. But, you know, you, you figure the Spurs have to be around like 20 and 8 is sort of what they're floating out there. 20 and 8, um, you know, uh, let's see if 18 and 10 is doable. We'll see. But, yeah, uh, so just start plucking away from the bottom of those losses of 20 and 8. And when we get to 8, let's see where we're at. Yeah, we're going to be here at the Big Fun Pod following this final run. Be sure to like and subscribe us uh, to us on Spotify, Apple mm. Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, at Big Fun Pod. He's at Evan Klosky. I'm at Jackson Kins 5 uh, And then uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. All these videos are on YouTube there. We found it. It's the buttons over there. Boom. The buttons on his side. Uh, so just right under Evan there. It's a big red subscribe button. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Yeah.